When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Oh, yeah, back and better than ever. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance, trying to jam a whole lot into a two-pound bag or a two-hour bag. So we roll along here with the hashtag crew around us. We've covered a lot of the big games from yesterday and last night, plus the ridiculous coaching in Miami on Saturday night and a whole lot more. The question we had at the end of the hour that I didn't get to answer was, who had the worst weekend in sports this weekend? And there were certainly a lot of people among them. Uh, I don't know that Clayton Kershaw has, has had a lot of better weekends, and we'll get you a little baseball as we go also. And the name Bill Belichick came up, and the name Sean Payton came up, and the name Mario Cristobal came up. I'm going to throw the name Dak Prescott into this conversation. D- Dak Prescott was just awful last night. All of the Cowboys were awful, and I don't know that Dak Prescott could have won that game the way everything else went, but he certainly could have given his team a fighting chance. And what is becoming increasingly apparent to me about Dak Prescott is that he just isn't as good as I think he is. Like, sometimes your eyes see one thing, and your brain refuses to accept it. I, the, the analogy I will make is, you ever have the experience, this happens to me a lot when it's late at night and I'm reading in bed, This is when I know it's time to go to sleep. I will read an entire page and realize I did not grasp one word of it. That's when I know that my eyes are seeing it. My brain is not receiving it. And I think that has been happening to me with Dak Prescott for a long time. I just believe in something that I think I think now he isn't. He's just okay. He's just a guy. And I was convinced that he was more than that. And I'm not totally willing to give up on that, but I'm getting closer. And this thing against San Francisco is bad. And if they, that game was so demoralizing, that defeat was so bad, and he looks so pedestrian, in my view, even in the wins, everyone is applauding him for not giving games away against the Jets and Giants. They're like, oh, look how well Dak played. I could have been the quarterback in those games, and we would have won. So, I mean, the, only, the two times this year they actually needed him, he's been awful. So... Bill Belichick, no matter what else ever happens, has got six Super Bowl rings. And Sean Payton, no matter what else ever happens, is making $18 million a year to be the coach of the Broncos. And Dak Prescott, I think, might be seeing his time as the quarterback in Dallas go away. If this season doesn't go a whole lot better, and and that's the only caveat to all of this, that it's so early, I'm trying so hard not to overreact to what we're seeing this soon. Things might get a lot better over the next 12 weeks. But if they don't, I think they will have a new coach in Dallas for sure. And I think they'll have a new quarterback, too. Yeah, look, Dak Dak Prescott is is just not a fog of war quarterback. Clear skies. A what quarterback? A fog of war quarterback. But here's what I mean. Clear skies, defense is playing great, giving him short fields. Everything's going right. Dak Prescott's great. He wins a lot of games. He's been pretty good. This year, when his team is tied or trailing, he's got the number one QBR in the whole league. Yeah. When they're trailing, excuse me, when they're tied or leading, number one quarterback in the whole league. When the Cowboys are trailing, he's the 28th ranked quarterback in the league. 
Yesterday was a situation in which Dak Prescott needed to play, he needed to show up, and he just didn't. And we don't need to see that much more evidence to say that this is just who he is. He's been in the league since 2016. That, that's, the, that's the Carson Wentz draft, the Jared Goff draft. Like, this is who he is. This is nearly a decade of Dak Prescott effectively being this player, a quarterback that you can win some games with, a quarterback that can take you pretty far, that you can uh, you know, generate a lot of yards and score some points. But almost any time that Dak Prescott is, is, is forced to, do, to be something more than he has gener- uh, proven he can be, he generally falls flat on his face. Yesterday's another, uh, uh, and these are now, we have like countless examples now of this. I just feel like Dak Prescott is who he is now. And we, because we want him to be good, because we want him to be great, we sort of position ourselves in such a way that we watch the game with that slant. But look, there's enough time now that has elapsed there. This is just the kind of player that he is. Greeny with you live from the Seaport District at Pier 17, brought to you by Trace. Chase, excuse me, the hashtag crew is around us all the way around. Meanwhile, while we're on this very negative uh, topic, you just said to me in the break, we've had very bad moments for a lot of different teams this year. Last night was a very bad night for the Cowboys. We've had some very bad back-to-back weeks. The Patriots have lost by a combined score of 72-3. to For the Jets, we waited all our lives for Aaron Rodgers to be our quarterback, and he wound up lasting four plays. Fans of the Bears have gone through a period where it looked like they were going to be the worst team in, in the sport. We'll see. Right now, they feel a little, things feel very different after what we saw on Thursday. But you just said to me, you think there's another team entirely that will be the worst one to root for right now. The New York Giants would be the worst team to root for in the NFL right this second. Why? Well, first of all, they just stink on both sides of the ball. There's no redeeming quality right now to the Giants on either side of the football. Their quarterback that they just paid $160 million to, the ink is still wet. He was knocked out of the game yesterday against Miami. It's a neck injury. It's the second time he's had this kind of injury. It could sideline him for a long time. It sidelined him previously. Three more offensive linemen got knocked out for the Giants yesterday. There is no redeeming quality about this football team. There's nothing interesting to follow. They're the most uninterestingly bad team in the league. I don't know where the light is at the end of the tunnel. I, don't even, I can't even find the tunnel with the Giants right now. They made uh, decisions in the offseason that suggested they should take a step forward. Nothing's wor- nothing is worse than when you do that, when you position yourself to get better, and you don't get just worse. You get way worse. You've seen regression in every way possible. The coach doesn't, does, frankly, Brian Dayball, who did a great job last year, has not coached this team well, and no one's saying that, but they should. And Daniel Jones has regressed considerably, and now he's not even on the field. This was always a question mark with Daniel Jones. Could he stay healthy because he's the kind of quarterback that is always on the move? It's another neck injury. Right now, it's a really bleak time to be a fan of the New York Giants. They have the second biggest differential of any team in the NFL. Let me explain what I mean by that. Sometimes records can be a little bit deceiving, which is to say the Pittsburgh Steelers right now are 3-2, and two, so they've won more games than they've lost, and they're actually by the tiebreakers, on top of the AFC North. But their total for the season is minus 31. They've allowed 31 more points than they've scored in five games. That suggests that as things go on, everything is going to work itself out. That's not a really good team. The biggest differential is plus 99. San Francisco at 5-0 and is plus 99. They've won their five games by an average of almost 20 points a game. They're, by leaps and bounds, the best team in the NFL. The second biggest differential is the Giants, who are minus 91. They're 1-4, but they are minus 91. They have gotten shellacked in all these games that they've lost. They were getting destroyed by the Cardinals week two. They came back, they won. Congratulations to them. 
But outside of that, they've lost 40 to nothing, 30 to 12, 24 to 3, and 31 16 yesterday in a game that wasn't nearly that close. Miami completely kept the Giants in that game. The idea that that game is going to look, for anyone who didn't see it, as though, oh, well, maybe they kind of played him top. No, they didn't. That, that was a that was as one-sided a game as you could possibly watch. So I, the, the, the bleakness of the future in some respects comes down to your long-term prospects, the draft capital that you have, all that kind of stuff. But generally speaking, at least for the rest of this year, I agree with you. There's not any reason to think they will have anything to look forward so it to. It was so bad yesterday for the Giants that they were um, – I'm doing so oh, God, they're the Sunday night game this I'm doing week. So quick, oh. They're at Buffalo Flex Sunday it. night. Flex it. I don't know what the rules are this early in the season, but if we could. So they <laughs> they ran uh, 14 more plays than Miami yesterday somehow, and they gained 256 fewer yards. <laughs> I mean, the somehow is because Miami scores on like one play all the time, and then they also, I mean, the giant defense kept scoring, or they scored that, that one, the 100-yard pick, mm-hmm. so the ball goes right back to the other team. So the, 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 the Giants, they made that game a game. There was still a moment in time where that game was a game when it had no business being a game. One team looked great, and the other team looked awful. What I'm saying is, like, this team just has nothing, no, like not one thing to hang their hat on. That the defense is so, so much worse than it was a year ago. And last year, the defense came to play and hung. And offensively, Daniel Jones has taken such a big step backwards. Like, that's the thing. Like, as a sports fan, all you ever want if your team is bad is hope or some reason for optimism. Name one. Name one reason why Giants fans should be optimistic. I mean, I would have said that you, you really believe strongly in your coach, right? I mean, coming out of last season, see, were you here the day I talked about the, the curse of high expectations? Yes. Th- th- that's what's happened to this team. They're not that good. They weren't that good last year. And because they won as many games as they did, they had to do what they did. They had to re-sign the quarterback. They had to bring everybody back. They had to make a couple of moves that suggest you're just a, a tweak here and a tweak there away. But when you make the playoffs and you win a playoff game, you feel like, or not you don't feel like, you actually are one win away from a conference championship game. And that gives you the impression that you were this close. I'm holding my fingers very close together. The reality is, even though they were one game away, they were actually this close. I'm holding my arms as far apart as I possibly can. Can I give you a number? Yeah. So over the last two years, this year and last, the Giants have played 13 games against teams with winning records. Pretty simple. They've been outscored by 161 points in those 13 games. They have the worst point differential in such games of any team in the league. The Bears are next worst, and then the Cardinals are the next worst. We're talking about the worst teams in football and the New York Giants. Now, obviously, some of this is the fact that they had to play Philly and Dallas and teams within the division that are okay. But even so, 2-11 is the record. Minus 161 is the scoring margin. 161 in 13 games. That's an average of 12.5 points a game. So, yes, bleak times. Without question there. All right, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. We are presented by Progressive Insurance. Insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs. Protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. In case you missed it. One more time. 
All right, interesting things people have said this morning here all over ESPN, including Dan Orlowski with us on Get Up this morning talking about the Cowboys. It wasn't pretty. That's the worst performance of Dak Prescott's tenure as a Dallas Cowboy. And, and for anybody who wants to try to tell me that this was a line of scrimmage game, don't. This was a quarterback game. San Francisco's was galaxies better, significantly better than Dak Prescott. This was a completely outclassed football team from top to bottom by San Francisco. And if we're being honest... We cannot say that the Cowboys are Super Bowl contenders legitimately after what we witnessed last night. Bubba, how, does, how do you feel? I, I, I always like to talk to a team's super fans because you have a different perspective on it than almost anyone because your emotion is involved in it and everything else. If I say to you right now, can the Cowboys still put together a championship season this year? What's your honest answer? Uh, I would say yes, they can. I would. I'm, I wouldn't say I would bet on it, but I think that they have too much talent to say no to that question. Um, the talent on the roster, they have they have plenty of talent to make it happen. But when you're looking last night, the gap between them and San Francisco right now is way too large. But I think the only hope would be what Rex was talking about earlier is maybe the benefit of them actually playing them in the regular season, and they can hopefully learn from how bad it was. Uh, and if they if they play them again in the playoffs, but like can can they have a championship run? I would say yes. Right now, would I be betting on it? No, I think they're they're dropping in the NFC right now. But I, I they have too much talent on this team right now to say to completely write them off. I need to mention one name that has not yet been said in the first seventy minutes we've been doing the show, and the name is Trayvon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs is by any reasonable standard of measure one of the five best cornerbacks in the NFL, and a cornerback that you trust playing man defense so much so that the Cowboys played more man than any team in the league until he got hurt. Since he got hurt, Bubba, the Cowboys ranked 30th, 30th yeah. in the NFL in pass defense. That's They're been, allowing bad. eight and a half yards per pass attempt in a three-game span. By the way, a three-game span in which you've not played amazing, um, you know, world-beating type quarterbacks, at least not by most people's perception. And so that's a major concern of mine because at least with Dallas, we thought they're going to have a great pass rush and a great secondary and the defense is going to create turnovers and sack the quarterback and, and intercept the ball and all those things. And they have under Dan, uh, under Dan Quinn, they have. But now, now not only is Dak Prescott playing like this and two of the last three games have been wretched for him and now the defense is playing like this too, the Cowboys have major holes to fill and I'm not sure they have the people on this team to fill them. I've been saying it over and over. I, I learned this. On a, on, a, on a deserted place that I loved called Revis Island, there is no more valuable player a team can have, in my opinion, outside of a quarterback than a shutdown corner. Micah Parsons might be the best overall defensive player in the league, but there is a value to being able to say, I'm going to put this guy on an island. Sauce Gardner is that. There were a few guys like that in the league. I'm going to put that guy on an island. He's going to take your receiver out of the game. You will not even throw it in his direction. It frees you up to do so many other things. And when you can't do those things, that is a devastating loss. So is Trayvon Diggs a better player than Micah Parsons? No, of course he's not. But is the, is the significance of the loss about equal? I think in the big picture it is. 100%. Yesterday, the Dallas Cowboys had a pass rush win rate of 58%. It was the fourth highest rate of any team that played this week. 58%, and yet Brock, per, uh, Brock Purdy threw four touchdown passes. Yeah, they lost 42-10. to 10. Uh, That's one unbelievable statistic, but I've got five that are better. The top five stats from a football Sunday that will blow your mind next on ESPN Radio. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around 
different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Greeny today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Greeny, G-R-E-E-N-Y. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Caught me mid-chew there. So you might have noticed we're playing all Beatles songs today. And this is his best song, in my opinion. I'm told today would have been John Lennon's 83rd birthday. And Beatles fans are generally aware of which one are Paul songs and which ones are John songs and which ones are George songs. And of all the John songs, I think this is my favorite, the Beatles classic in my life. Okay, Greeny with you on ESPN Radio. Hembo will give us the road to the World Series in a minute. Here we'll get you a quick look at what happened in baseball over the weekend. But first, it's been a while since we've done a green list. The list is what determines who matters in this business. Right, the green list is when I, the world's foremost authority on all matters, choose the top five, this or that or the other. And today, they are the top five ridiculous statistics that came out of a day in the NFL. Number five. The Steelers lead their division, and yet they have been outscored by 31 points in their five games this season. That means on an average game, they are outscored by six points. And yet they've won three of them and lost two. You say to yourself, isn't that impossible? The answer is obviously not, even though it sounds like it. But somehow they've done it. They've also been outgained by 606 yards. It's incredible. In but five games. I feel like Mike Tomlin is just keeping Matt Canada on his staff so that he can win the Coach of the Year award. It'll be the first time someone ever wins the award because his offensive coordinator is so bad. This is my conspiracy theory. He's Tomlining. I think that should be a verb. I think we should say to Tomlin. 
to take a team that has no business winning games and still somehow do it. I mean, to think that I hear people sometimes say, oh, Mike Tomlin, maybe the Steelers should move on from him. Are you out of your freaking mind? That guy is an elite NFL coach. Elite. They're three and two and they stink. (laughs) There's no other way to say it. All right, top five stats that blow your mind. Number four. Sean Payton's Broncos have allowed 181 points this year. That is tied for the second most through a team's first five games in the Super Bowl era. Let me say that differently. They've got the second worst defense ever through five games. And, Hambo, I think you said it well earlier. Like, they've made themselves very easy to root against. I get it. I'm a Jet fan, and that attack was directed at a person who now is a Jet. But... It's not like Nathaniel Hackett has been a Jet for 20 years. I don't have that much of a personal stake in this. Sean has just, he's come in there with a lot of talk and a lot of, he behaves like a person who has accomplished what Bill Belichick has accomplished. Truth is, he hasn't accomplished anywhere near what Mike Tomlin has accomplished. He hasn't accomplished what Andy Reid has accomplished. He was, during his time, probably the Fifth or sixth best coach in the NFL, something like that. He had a great quarterback. They were had a great marriage. I'm not dismissing him at all. I think he's a terrific coach. But this has been a terrible start. When you come in talking this big and playing this bad, it kind of sticks out. Yeah, so Denver has already allowed 181 points this year. The 1981 Colts had the record, if you will, allowing 533 points. So if you're wondering, like I was, it will take the Broncos allowing 29.5 points a game the rest of the season to break it. Here's hoping they break it. Yeah, they're, they're just team to do it. I don't think they will, actually. I think they're going to get better and better as the year goes on because I do think he is a good coach. Oh, I think they're going to sell off pieces at the trade deadline. And I think, not like actively what pieces? Tank, whatever they have that anyone else might want. I really, I mean, they already traded um, uh, Randy Gregory over the weekend. I know, but he's. No, but what I'm saying that is. That was addition by subtraction. Once they're effectively out of it, which. Is now if what not are they soon, Jerry Judy? I mean, wh- wh- who are they trading? They have, they have. Like, it's an NFL team. There are people that other teams. No, I understand might that, but what I'm saying is, how much worse do they get after they do that? <laughs> <laughs> the players who are, are playing right now are doing about as bad as you can do. Whatever they can do to chase down the 1981 Colts, you got to do it. All right, we'll see. Again, my top five stats that blew my mind from yesterday. Number three, Miami has more yards, so this is the direct opposite. The Dolphins have the most yards in five games of any team in NFL history. They could break the record for most yards gained in an NFL season in history. This offense is unbelievable. I like putting things on a per-play basis because, obviously, total numbers affect is largely affected by how fast or how slow teams play. Right now, Greeny, Miami is averaging... 8.3 yards per play on offense. All right, the differential between Miami and San Francisco, who ranks second, is two full yards. And the differential between San Francisco, again, who ranks second, and the Giants, that rank last, is two full yards. In other words, Miami is, by an order of magnitude, on a per-play basis, the best offense in the now, NFL. Now, if they're going to break the record, they have to do it in 16 games. I think for people not to want to put an asterisk next to it. And again, I'm on record as saying, in this case, an asterisk doesn't have to be a bad thing. There could be a 16-game record and a 17-game record. But in order to do it, they would have to average more yards per game 
than the teams in history. So are they on pace to do that? Yes. Obviously they are because they have the most in five. Yeah. I guess I was going to ask the question separately. Do you think they have to break it in 16 games for people not to look askew a at it? Honestly, I'm not qualified to answer this. We should ask Roger Maris's son. <laughs> Again, that the asterisk is the wrong way to put it. There should be a 16-game record. There should be a 17-game record. No one has to be diminished as a result. Number two. Uh, Patrick Mahomes has now beaten every team in the NFL. The only one he hasn't beaten is the Chiefs, and that's because he plays for the Chiefs. But Patrick Mahomes, who has been in the league what feels like the blink of an eye, has now beaten every team in this sport. By beating Minnesota yesterday, he, he fills it all out. Now, I know Brady beat every team in the league, including New England. I don't know how many players in history, I should have looked this up. Is there a number? How many have done that, have beaten every team in history? So Mahomes is the 10th quarterback to beat 31 teams since the NFL expanded to 32, which yeah. was 2002. Right. And of that group, he was the only one to do it before 30. He's 28. Yeah. I got all four. Say Tom, it again. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, Drew Brees, Brett Favre. That, kind that's of a the company. Who? I mean, that's what I mean. That's, that's the 32. That's all keeps. 32, yeah. That's that, that's that's the company. Good good job over there, and that's a that's the company he keeps. He's on his way to being the best ever. He just is. I mean, it's it's. It almost. No, he also actually point, hasn't like, done it yet. Either. Like an so. obvious statement of fact. Let, let's beat all thirty-two and then get back to me. Well, I mean, <laughs> he's not going to play. Let's hope that he doesn't get the chance. And Cousins, by the way, has beat thirty. Cousins has. Yeah. I know, but he's also lost to them all more times. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> he's, you know, Mahomes beats them all, and and no one ever comes back. And lost to like eight. You know what I did? We didn't get the Chiefs highlight in today, but I was trying to figure out how I would get some sort of Taylor Swift references in to uh, Kelsey looking like he was seriously hurt, and then slamming his helmet in frustration, and then coming back and catching a touchdown. I mean, it's a song that writes itself. And Lord knows if anyone should write it, I would think Taylor Swift should probably have it on Spotify by the end of the day. Don't you? <laughs> like That feels like a song that should be coming out. She wasn't there yesterday. Are they over, by the way? Did I miss something? Did I miss a meeting? I have no knowledge about Did that. Did that end? Like, all of a sudden, she's not there anymore? No, she can't go to every game. Why not? She's got things to do. She's what? Taylor Swift. No, what I understand What does that? she have to do? No, I know she has things to do. I'm just saying. Like, it felt like... This was a thing. Like, she's going to go to all the games, and it's going to be a thing. Did you uh, hear Jim Nance's intro to the game? What did he say again? In effect, these are words that I never thought I would say in my broadcasting career. But Taylor Swift is not in the building. All week, she was questionable, but she is now officially inactive. <laughs> <laughs> Attaboy, Jim. He is the best. All right, top five things uh, from yesterday that you need to know. Number one. And here's number one. Yesterday was the first time Bill Belichick has ever trailed by 30 points at home. In his head coaching career, that includes his time with Cleveland, the Patriots have been outscored 72-3 to in their last two games. Now, I've told you many times my story of the night that we were the MCs for Charlie Weiss's big charity event, and Belichick is there. So I, the reason I mention that is that unless something has happened that I'm not aware of, they are the best of friends, incredibly close friends. So I take it very seriously when Charlie Weiss is on our morning show on ESPN Radio, Unsportsmanlike, and asked, could you see this being the end of Bill in New England? Yes. I think it would be mutual. I don't think it would just be crap just canning them, but I could see that happening. Hey, they have Mayo, you know, waiting in the wings to be the head coach. 
I'm not telling you, giving you any big news flash. I mean, that's, you know, everyone, everyone in the league knows that's what's going to end up happening eventually. But if things keep on going the way they're going, I could, I could see there, there being, a, being a change. I think that's right. I think we are seeing right before our eyes the end of one of the greatest eras in the history of American sports. Like if you sit back and think about it, when he's done, whenever that is, he'll be remembered like Lombardi, like Paul Brown. I mean, how far back into the history of the game do you want me to take you? I'll take you back as far as you want to go. If you want to stay in more recent vintage, the really legendary coaches, Walsh, Parcells, Landry, maybe Andy Reid starts creeping into that territory, Chuck Knoll. That's who he is. Maybe he's even bigger than all of them. He's more accomplished. And we're watching the end. We're watching the tragic end of it. He's, he's 72 to 3 in back-to-back weeks. He doesn't have any answers. Like, Bill has always been a person who had answers. When they asked him yesterday what he was going to do, he said, start over. And I asked Rex, what does that mean? And Rex said, when you start over, the first thing you do is ask yourself, what are we? Like, what is our goal? What is our mission? What is it we can accomplish? What can we do well? What are we, what's our identity? And the answer is they don't have one. They're not good at anything. They've lost two good defensive players. They had a good defense. And they've lost their two best defensive players, Matthew Judon and Christian Gonzalez, and that's a terrible loss. But as we've said repeatedly, every team is going to lose good players as the season goes on. And they are by no means prepared to replace them because the Patriots did just demolish them, and even the Saints sort of did, and they're not very good either. So we're seeing the, I believe we are seeing the end, the end of Bill Belichick, who, whatever you think of him, has to be given credit for having won more than any coach in the history of the sport. I think the best way to sum up where the Patriots are right now is that over the last two games they've played, the offense has scored no touchdowns and allowed three. That's where the Patriots are. There were two Mac Jones pick sixes and one Mac Jones um, sack fumble that turned into touchdowns, but that's how bad they are offensively. And you made me think of something when you were going through sort of the history there. Like, how are we going to qualify the Patriots dynasty. Like, are we going to give them, like as we compare them to the Lombardi Packers and the Steel Curtain, what, like, once we're finally there, once Bill lays it to rest in New England, because they won the six championships together, but they won the first three in a clump and then the, the second three in a clump. Like, do we think we're going to look at his tenure with Brady as like two separate iterations almost? Or do you consider those almost 20 years as sort of one I era? think you have to consider the 20 years because considering the fact that they did win multiple championships again at the end, then you do give credit for all the winning they did in between. They still won a ton of games. They were still in the playoffs every year, made playoff runs so many of those years, lost in the AFC championship game at least twice that I can think of, and maybe there were more, but they lost in that game in Indianapolis, and they lost in that game in Denver. So that's two right off the top of my head Mm -hmm. where they went to the AFC Championship. So they still won a ton of games and won playoff games. Look, the threads of commonality of the Bulls, let's just use the Bulls. The Bulls are the most recent 
super dynasty, right? Like the Bulls, the Michael Jordan Bulls, that's a dynasty no one questions. Maybe the Yankees, is that a dynasty? With the Yankees of 96 through 2000? The 90s Yankees? Oh, for sure. That's a dynasty. Okay, well, we'll the Joe Torre Yankees, the, yeah. Then that's a bad, then that one would argue against it because they had a ton of the same players, right? I right. mean, half mm-hmm. that team was intact from the beginning of it to the end. The Bulls, who won their championships in clusters, if you will, they won three and then two and then won three more. The only people who were on all of them were Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen and the coach, Phil Jackson. I always remind people and the GM, Jerry Krause, but let's put that out of the conversation. So the only threads of commonality for the Patriots from the beginning to the end would be Brady and Belichick. Is that enough? Is that enough to say the Patriots were a dynasty? At the beginning, it had Teddy Bruschi on it. And at the end, it had you know, Rob Minkovich, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Is that enough to say it was a dynasty? Is that enough to say that whole thing was a dynasty? Or is it just the two of them that were a dynasty? Well, here's the thing. Like, y- you and I like putting things in the historical perspective. And so if I were to ask you, like, Belichick, Brady, Patriots, or Lombardi, Packers, what's your answer? Well, the Lombardi, Packers had so many people that were the same. They won five championships. I don't have the rosters in front of me. I would bet a minimum of half the players were on all of them. Yeah. They, and yeah. that's the same with the Steelers. Mm-hmm. in the 70s and it's the same with the, the excuse me the 49ers in the 80s and it's the same with the Cowboys who won the three championships in the 90s obviously the coaches changed in a couple of those scenarios this is the one where there is no that's the point I'm trying to make right. maybe I'm making it badly there are no other players in common there's no other player who was on all of them or, or even most of them so I guess that's my question then if we're going to take two decades of dominance in which only Belichick and Brady or the threads of commonality, or the common denominator. Then they're the dynasty. They're the, the dynasty. dynasty is them. Mm. The dynasty is, Bel- is Belichick and Brady. And, and the good job that, that I guess you have to give him the credit for, Bill, of putting the right people around them and craft and whatever else it is to continue winning. And the fact that they stayed up at the top all that time, they absolutely deserve that credit. But it is definitively different than all of the other ones. Greeny reminding you the road to the World Series goes through ESPN Radio. Catch all the postseason action here and on the ESPN app. And with that thought in mind, I'm ready to go right now. Green light, green light with Greeny. For those who were just up to their necks in football this weekend, what does everyone need to know about the baseball? Clayton Kershaw, Clayton Kershaw on Saturday night, Greeny. He allowed six runs, all earned, and recorded one out against Arizona in game one of the DS. That's an ERA of 162, 162.00. That's how bad he was. Uh, Clayton Kershaw's postseason ERA for his career ballooned to 4.49. That is more than two runs larger than his regular season ERA. The differential between the two is the largest of any pitcher in history. And Greeny, it is, it is my belief that Clayton Kershaw is the most confounding immortal there ever was. To, be, to make it exceedingly clear, there is no list of the greatest pitchers in the history of baseball on which he is not at or near the top. His regular season record is unassailable, unimpeachable. Clayton Kershaw is genuinely the best pitcher of my lifetime, or at least of the last 20 years. And yet, the defining image of Clayton Kershaw's career is going to be him with his hands on his knees on the mound of a postseason game after allowing a home run. That is just inevitable. At this point, we can stop qualifying. We can stop couching. We can stop defending him. We can stop sort of um, gerrymandering or cherry picking the numbers. The bottom line of it is Clayton Kershaw is the only person in history quite like him. The only person who is genuinely one of the greatest ever when it didn't matter and genuinely one of the worst ever 
when it did. You know, that's really interesting. I, th- you're right, because most of the time when we talk about people who were who were very accomplished in the regular seasons and they're not the postseason, we talk about them as compilers of numbers. Like the name James Harden may come to mind. He's been, and he was an MVP, he's, he's put up historical numbers. He's put up numbers that, that in, in, you look at some of them, no one has ever done it in basketball history, and then he's accomplished a combined total of nothing in the playoffs. We have a tendency to look at him as being as those numbers being empty in the regular season. I don't think we look at that that way with Kershaw. Yes, I just looked. I mean, I wanted to make sure I had my numbers right. He has 210 career wins and an ERA of 2.48. That, to your point, that makes him one of the greatest pitchers of all time. 2.48. Yeah. He is the only pitcher in the live ball era, which dates to 1920, with an ERA below 2.5. He is the only one, and yet the only thing that I and everyone else will remember about Clayton Kershaw are these blow-up games in the postseason. He got one out against Arizona, allowing six runs, and there are a dozen games like that to varying degrees that we can point to and say we remember those more so than anything he ever did during Costas the regular season. Costas did that game too, didn't he? He did. I didn't get to see it. He must have been... When Clayton Kershaw must have been unbelievable. walked off the mound in the first inning, Bob Costas uh, was poetic. Like, it was beautiful. I can pull up the exact quote. He's the best. But I was watching. He was, he was the best person on the planet to be on the call for what happened. I totally night. agree. We'll come back. The NFL's about to do something that's going to make Hembo and Cam mad. You'll hear what it is right after this. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio on the 83rd anniversary of the birth of John Lennon. Happy birthday, John, wherever you are. Another one of his greatest songs here. And no matter where you are, you can always listen to our show on the ESPN app or Sirius XM Channel 80 as well. I'm on Twitter at ESPN Greeny. I'm on Instagram at ESPN Greeny. And I'm on threads at ESPN Greeny. The NFL is about to do something that is going to make Hembo mad and it is going to make Cam mad because they are fans of the Eagles. 
but they are going to outlaw the tush push. I'm positive they're going to outlaw the cheek sneak. And the reason that they should is because it is A, unsightly, and B, insanely dangerous. There's no way you can possibly tell me that more people aren't going to get hurt on that play than any others. It is a disorganized scrum in which everyone is just pushing into each other as hard as they can. And I don't know about, I've been watching the game my whole life. Push one offensive player pushing another one forward was always against the rules. That has been against the rules since the inception of the game. And it's for a reason because that's a great way to get everybody hurt. When one guy is running and a bunch of other guys are trying to tackle him, now all of a sudden four more guys run in and everyone's pushing against each other. If you say to yourself, let's figure out what's the best way we can get people injured, that's the best way. So I'm not exactly sure when they decided to let this happen in, in the, the legendary Bush push that they called it because Reggie Bush did it with Matt Leinart and, and Notre Dame. That's the reason it became so famous because it's a play that is against the rules. And the fact that they've now made it legal, I hate it. It's unsightly. I can't stand it. I hope they take it out of the sport. Hembo, your thoughts? I'm totally good if the NFL decides to pull this play if it's for safety concerns, for safety reasons, especially since for most of football history, it's been outlawed and probably for good reason. What I'm not good with is people complaining about it because the Eagles just do it too well. I mean, in this case, you know, they have a Hall of Fame center, one of the very greatest to ever play the position in Jason Kelsey, and a quarterback that can squat 600 pounds, and so they're 45 for 50 when doing this. It's inevitable. It is unsightly, and I think from that standpoint, it's just not that interesting or fun, and if if we're all about the entertainment aspect of things, then that's a reasonable complaint to make. But ultimately, the Eagles are just so good at it. That's really what's bothering fans so much. And I understand that, even though I'm a fan of the team. But if the league does decide and has actual research that says people are more likely to get hurt with this play, I have no issue with it. But that is the only way in which I'd be cool with it being outlawed. Cam? I mean, the Giants got two players hurt on this play, but Brian Dayball said after the game something like, oh, we didn't practice it as much as we should have. To my knowledge, the Eagles have not gotten injured on this play. Maybe a defensive player will at some point, but they're the ones running it to perfection. They know how to run it. Don't run it if you're not as good as the Eagles are at it, which no one else is. Whether the Eagles get hurt or someone on the other team gets hurt when you're running it, is, it to me, is not any better one way or the other. And I don't care that they're too good at it. That, that I, You should take advantage of the things you're too good at. But that's always been against the rules, and there's a reason why it's always. So they, there's a lot of things they change, and I don't understand why they do it. I, I just don't get. There are certain things in the sport that I'm just, I've never been sure why they change them. Like the force out used to be a good rule in the NFL. Like, and maybe because we've gotten tried to get rid of as many judgment rules as possible. But there was a time, tell me if I'm telling you something you don't know. If a receiver jumped in the air, caught the ball, and was clearly pushed out so that he doesn't get two feet in bounds, the officials could rule it a catch because he was forced out of bounds. They pushed him out of bounds. Now, that's the way you're taught to defend it, is just push him the hell out of bounds. I, I, I don't understand why they changed that. I, I guess they changed it because... It's just so hard. It's such an opinion. And we live in a world now where this stuff is so dissected. They just decided to make it something easier to officiate. Either your feet are inbounds or they're not. But that's just another example of things. Three to make two in the NBA. I liked three to make two. Why do we get rid, why do we get rid of things that are working perfectly fine? So, Because if we get rid of things that are working perfectly fine, then the committee members have nothing to do. And these guys are on payroll. All right, The committee members need to have something to talk about. Secondly, we need to start calling it by its actual name. We're, 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 outlawing, we're outlawing the, the, the tush push. 
The cheek sneak, we're calling it brotherly shove from now on. Okay. So you will refer to it as that. It's also been legal. Brotherly since, shove, the brotherly shove. That's right. It's also been legal since 2005. For 18 years, this play has been allowed, and no one has really taken advantage of it, and the Eagles are uniquely equipped to do so. All right, one more piece of business left. Hashtag KOD. The Kiss of Death. Monday Night Football Preview brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. We got the Raiders and the Packers tonight. Raiders minus two. Am I seeing that right? That's right. The Raiders are a two-point favorite at Green Bay? No, they're at home. They're at home. Oh, the way this But is, it doesn't really matter. There will be more Packers fans there than Raiders fans. Clearly. Well, either way, just the way this is put up on my screen here, I, I, I don't care where this game is being played. I like the Packers. Public? Yeah, I, I, the, the public has no uh, crazy lean on this, but our analytics side, ESPN's FPI, favors the Packers by two points. You don't often see a four-point swing between the two, but that's a good reason for me to break the tie if, if I was on the fence about it, which I'm not. I think Green Bay wins this game. Me um, too. All right. I'm quite surprised that it is that. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised that the... Are you surprised the Raiders are favored? Yes, it's a, it's a little smelly, but there isn't, like, a disproportionate amount of public love on the Packers, believe it or not. So, I, I guess this... Uh, this should probably be a pick honestly. But Vegas says Raiders minus two, which is basically the, the home field advantage. Okay. By the way, uh, you actually had your best weekend. You went two and one. On, oh, did uh, I? On Sunday. What yeah, were the picks again? You got Jacksonville plus five and a half, so you got that one right. You got San Francisco minus four, so you got that one right. And unfortunately, you got Baltimore minus four wrong. But two and one, you know, above 500, your best weekend yet. So Still in last by quite a bit. But hey, it's something to build on. Well, why would you say it that Jeez, way? Jeez, Cam. Just why trying to bring you back down. by quite a bit. Because so you know how much ground you have to make up. Don't get cocky. Trying can I tell you something positive here? Can, can I tell you, if I seem like I'm in a little bit of a bad mood, can I give you an idea of why? Mm. So I haven't been playing fantasy football for long. But I'm in this league with IBM now. Can I just tell you some of the players, the guy that I played against this week had? He had he had Brock Purdy. He had DJ Moore. He had Brees Hall. He had Tyreek Hill. He oh, had my God. Dallas Goddard. What? And he had the Jets defense. He, he, he has 185 points. What is the margin right now in your matchup? 185 to 91. That's basically the margin between first place and last place in this pick em. <laughs> I mean, and, and I still have two players going tonight. Who are they? So I, I feel like I have a chance. <laughs> um, who do I have? Oh, I don't know. I've, I've, lost, I've lost that page. No. Is Christian have Watson going to have to have like 720 Yeah, well, what happened tonight? was we had, I had all my players get hurt. My quarterback was Aaron Rodgers. That's where everything really went sideways no. on me. And, and things just kind of took a turn. Um, and so I don't think I'm going to win that matchup. You should get week. Zach Wilson. Yeah, he's available in most leagues. All right, great fun today as always. Have a wonderful day. We'll see you back in Better Than Ever tomorrow on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.